I'm your host, Dora Vandekamp. Welcome to the Biohack Your Beauty podcast, where we take a deep dive into the world of biohacking, lifestyle, wellness, and self-development. Join me in uncovering the mysteries of beauty, anti-aging, and ultimate longevity with the experts, teachers, and guides who are leading the health revolution. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I am very, very excited to talk a little bit more about mental health today. I really wanted to do a part two to last week's episode where I spoke really about kind of the physical approaches that I take to really taking care of my own mental health. And these are all just things that I've really learned over the past 16 years and also that I've learned on this podcast from all of the amazing guests that we've had. And so I wanted to share those with you. Today, I wanted to talk a little bit more about lifestyle practices that I have. So in our last episode, I mentioned really how to get a deep sleep and how to eat for my mental health. Movement was something I talked about. I talked about supplements and I also talked about grounding. So today I wanted to get a little bit more emo and talk about the emotional approaches that I have incorporated into my lifestyle, really just in order to create a more stable ground and foundation for myself to really just to feel more grounded and centered on a daily basis. The reason that I wanted to really dedicate a few episodes to this topic is because I myself have definitely struggled with my mental health over the years, and that's probably for a number of reasons. I think that my early on diet played a role in that. I also think that I kind of come from a background of um, you know, being very meticulous, very in control, very type A personality, and being a very idealistic person. I think for me personally, I saw a lot of sorrow in the world and a lot of suffering in the world, and that was a source for me of depression and anxiety as well. I think in this daily time where we are so overexposed to all of the things that are happening in the world, it can be really, really challenging to feel grounded and centered because there's so much going on that feels the opposite. And especially with the pandemic that's happened and all of the things that have been going on, I think we are feeling more than ever that the world feels unstable. It might feel scary and uncomfortable for a lot of us. And so I felt like there is no better time to talk about this than right now. Because for me, a huge source of the roller coaster of emotions that I would feel and the, let's say, the depression, the anxiety that I was going through, for me, the focus was on 
the things that I couldn't control. And so that made me feel even worse. So even though I had these uh, challenging things, right, like the chemistry in my body and I was lacking proper nutrition, I was maybe not, you know, moving my body enough, right? There were all these um kind of like factors that my body was presenting for me. But then there was on top of that, this layer of like, I see all of these things that are going on and it's making it even harder to be hopeful and even harder to be positive. For me growing up and and into my college years, I was learning more and more about the state of the world. And I was a political science major. So that exposed me even more to the things that were going on. I was taking, um, you know, uh, African studies classes and learning about the political situation there and, and just really feeling very hopeless. And so there were many days where I contemplated, like, what is the point of this all? Why are we here? Um, there's so much suffering. Like, why would God let this happen? Is there even a God? And so struggling a lot with that. And then I know we also have kind of issues that are more close to home, right? So for some of us, if we are in a relationship where we are feeling really hopeless and we may be with a partner who is uh, somebody we really love, but we kind of have sacrificed ourselves for that partner and for that relationship. So we may feel that it's our duty to make them happy. And we may feel that they are uh, perhaps, you know, deserving of happiness. And so sometimes we sacrifice our own happiness for another. And we may do this for our partners. We may do this for our parents, right? Like we really want our parents to be happy with us or to be pleased with us. And so we tend to sacrifice ourselves and also perhaps even hide who we really are because we crave that sense of belonging, or maybe we crave that feeling of being loved and um, being safe. And so we look for that in places where maybe we are becoming kind of a martyr, right? For Uh, the other person, or perhaps even a community of people. Um, So I identify with all of those things. And I can see now at this point in my life, I'm in my 30s, and I see that my 20s were really full of that, really hiding myself and sacrificing myself for quote unquote, the greater good. Um, And that was really uh, challenging, I think, because it's at some point, you know, the suppression of yourself and your light and your emotions and all of the things that really make you who you are has a really big toll on your moods and your mental health. And so more and more, I was just constantly sad and constantly feeling like, very hopeless. Um, So I wonder if any of you out there identify with this as well. I would love to hear your stories and, um, you know, what you think about this topic as well. Because as we talk about mental health today, I think just realizing and looking at the bigger picture as well, right? Like 
in the world, and especially in the United States and in in more developed countries, mental health is such a big issue. And we see more and more that there's so much controversy and there's also so many different interpretations of how to help people who have mental health issues, right? And and we can look at the, the causes, right? The root causes of those issues. I'm actually reading a book called Lid Off the Cauldron. And it's really just a history of the witch and how the interpretation of witch came to be. And it's actually really fascinating to look at the history of when nature was a huge source of empowerment and medicine in our culture. And this was a long time ago before Catholicism and Christianity really came to be the um, main Western religion. And it really talks about how our bodies were suppressed, right? They were made to be filthy and dirty and unclean and ungodlike. And so over time, this kind of propaganda actually made a woman's body impure. And even if you look at the Bible, there's the story of, you know, Eve taking away the Garden of Eden from Adam and basically seducing him into eating the apple. And the book actually really talks about how the suppression of women and pleasure and the body was such a huge catalyst for the suppression of all of the things that now are creating kind of this feeling of like needing to be free. And so it's been very interesting to look at that book and read it because there is such a suppression of the natural body, especially for women, right? So thinking of like, you have to be hairless, you have to smell a certain way, uh, you have to look a certain way, you have to tame your hair, and you have to cover up, and you have to do all of these things. And so I think it's just a really interesting thing, an interesting concept to think about that maybe, perhaps, a lot of the mental health issues that we have have a lot to do with that suppression of our natural selves. So then when it comes to mental health, I think one of the biggest things that we can do for ourselves and our mental health is really fully expressing ourselves and who we are. And this is something we can do in a variety of ways. There's kind of the immediate situation where you are needing to express yourself, whether that is screaming, sitting in your car even and screaming at the top of your lungs or going to the beach and screaming into the ocean, whether it's speaking your truth or even going on social media and saying something that feels really authentic to you, writing something that people may see or may not see, maybe writing poetry, maybe crying and just being able to cry, even being seen as you're crying. Like, I think that that can be something really challenging for some of us who are in a relationship. If we feel like 
Crying is something that isn't accepted in our relationship, being able to cry in front of our partners, and then really just using your voice in a way that feels healing, maybe singing. You know, our ancestors sang songs all the time. It was something really integral in our cultures and passing on tradition was a part of that, right? Our music was something that was really healing. And there were many cultures where music was actually a part of that ritual, that healing ritual. And so I think that's something to really think about. And in a few of our past episodes, that's something that we've really talked about as well as how the throat chakra and the sacral chakra are very much connected as well as the solar plexus chakra. So These are the chakras that actually, they run our creative center and our power center. And so when you use your voice in a way that is empowering for yourself, you are actually helping to create balance in other areas of your body and other areas of your life. So when we talk about mental health, the magic of expression, the power of self-expression, it is so incredibly imperative. It's so important. And I think if you are struggling with your mental health, if you are having a hard time and you are finding that you aren't expressing yourself in areas of your life, there is a connection 100%. The other thing that is very, very powerful is your self-expression as a human being. So many of us work a job that really feels like the opposite of self-expression. Perhaps we must kind of conform to a certain way of being at that job. Perhaps we are even doing a job that we dislike very much. Perhaps we are working in an office for eight hours a day. And I think just something to really think about is if that is you, what are some ways that you can be creative and express yourself either at your job or at home after you come home from work on weekends when you're not working? Because if you are in a job where you're not being able to be creative and express yourself, you are spending a lot of time really kind of suppressing who you really are. And so having a creative outlet is really, really powerful for your mental health. And so you can do things like painting or writing. You can be creative in really any any capacity, right? Even if you're making things on Canva or you're on your iPad doing Procreate or you're doodling or you're sewing or knitting, right? There's so many things that you can do. Baking, cooking, those are also ways to be creative and they're very therapeutic, but looking for ways to really express your natural creativity because really we are creative beings. And in the culture that we have, right, we live in a capitalistic society. And so in that society, there's a lot of things that are commodified. That means that in our specific roles, in our jobs, we are not always able to do our own thing. Yet we all have our own thing. And so whatever work that you're doing, whatever job that you're in, 
really looking for ways to express your authentic self in those roles is really, really important. And if you've been thinking of maybe looking into pursuing a career where you get to be more creative, I think that that's something to really contemplate because our economy is changing with the world of crypto and NFTs and online access to so many different avenues. There are so many opportunities. So really looking at ways where you can even monetize what you like to do, what things that light you up and really making a an attempt to incorporate that into your life because I think it's so powerful to at least have some way of expressing yourself creatively. I think it brings you joy, but there's also something really instinctual and innate about it, especially as a woman, to create something and contribute it, whether it's energetic or actually tactical, right? Like if it's a thing or just an idea or an energy, it all counts. It all contributes to something bigger. So I think just the self-expression in that way is also really powerful. And I'll get a little personal is, is for me, that's writing. Like writing is my favorite, favorite thing. I've always loved to write. And I've written a lot of nonfiction articles online about health and biohacking and and beauty, but lately I've really been diving into fiction writing and I am really, really enjoying it. I can say that I'm really looking into doing this more and perhaps even looking into monetizing it because I think that there's something really powerful about story and telling stories. And in the world we live in, I think there's something really empowering about using your own voice to create something yourself. So highly encourage you to explore that as well. That's been something that's been really amazing for me. And I definitely feel like it lifts me up. It puts me in a great mood. Something else that's been a really great tool for me, and I actually have taught a number of workshops about this tool, is the Emotional Guidance Scale. And the Emotional Guidance Scale is actually something that I derived from Abraham Hicks. And Abraham Hicks is a, well, now it's a woman. Her name is Esther Hicks. And her husband, he was her late husband, was Jerry. And they actually teach the work of Abraham. And they've written a number of books that I love. I've read them about the law of attraction. One of those books is Ask and It Is Given. And they've also done a lot of work around manifesting financial prosperity and emotional well-being. And I can say honestly that for me personally, they've helped me a lot on my own journey because I had such a focus on the things that were going on around me for a really long time, like I mentioned earlier. And what Abraham taught me was really that it's really powerful to focus on myself and my own vibration 
and my own well-being. And the best way that I can help others is to first be able to help myself. And so that was something that I really took to heart. So the emotional guidance scale is actually a really cool tool that helped me a lot because when I was feeling really low and really depressed, one of the things that I struggled with was I was really at the bottom. I was really feeling completely hopeless and completely powerless. I think some of the words that I've used were like paralyzed and immobilized. And the reason I felt like that was because I really could not fathom how I would ever feel better. Like it was just There was no way that I was going to be able to reach for an emotion that was like happy or joyful or empowered from that place. I was feeling so bad. And really, a lot of that stemmed from unworthiness and insecurity and also a victim mentality, right? It was really about feeling like everything was happening to me. Now, the emotional guidance scale, which I will put a link two in my show notes really has this really cool way of exploring the emotions that we feel. And on the scale, there are actually 22 levels, 22 um, different sets of emotions. And what the scale shows you is that You really can't go from that feeling of depression to feeling really fully empowered and happy in one go. So the scale shows you different emotions that you can reach for to slowly climb up the emotional scale and get really solid and build a lot of momentum so that once you get to that place of feeling good, you get to stay there. You don't have to feel like you're fearing going back to that state of depression or unworthiness or powerlessness. There isn't that very unstable feeling of like, oh God, is today going to be a bad day or a good day? Is today going to be a bad day or a good day? Because there's so much momentum that you've built behind the positive emotions. So for example, the scale will have um, emotions leading up from the negative areas to the positive areas. And I don't like to say negative or positive. We could say um, like the not so good feeling emotions versus the good feeling emotions. But on the bottom of the scale where we talked about unworthiness and powerlessness, right? Instead of reaching for a feeling of appreciation, right? Like they say, just think of what you're grateful for. Well, when you're feeling like crap and you're really, really depressed, it's really hard to feel grateful. It's really hard to reach for that feeling. So what the skill tells you to do is then reach for something, anything that feels better. So maybe you can't even reach for something that feels like it should be a good feeling, but maybe you can reach for rage or anger, right? Like maybe you can just get really angry. And it sounds counterintuitive because why would you get angry if you're feeling sad? But anger feels better than being sad because when you're angry, you feel impassioned about something, you care about something, and that is more powerful and more 
uh, positive, right? It's better feeling than a feeling of fear or a feeling of powerlessness. And so if you are currently feeling powerless or depressed or unworthy, reach for anger. Get angry. Whoever you can get angry at, get angry at your parents or your teachers or your, uh, you know, the government or the IRS, whoever it is, just getting angry, really, really angry and staying there for a while and building momentum behind that and just allowing yourself to feel that anger. First of all, anger is not a bad feeling. It motivates you, right? There's plenty of people who have become successful because they said, well, you know what? F you, I'm going to show you. So anger has done a lot for people. We don't want to stay there, but we can acknowledge that it is a better feeling than grief, powerlessness, depression, being a victim, being in fear, being unworthy. So after you've gotten really good and angry, maybe you stay there for a few hours, maybe you stay there for a few days, maybe a few weeks. I think a lot of us can feel angry easily if we go on Instagram, right? There's a lot of political stuff that infuriates people. Maybe after that angry place, you go up the scale a little bit more and you reach for blame. And you blame whoever the hell you want to blame. Once you've gotten really good at blaming people and you feel really, uh, you know, there's a lot of momentum behind that emotion, maybe you reach for overwhelmment. Just feeling overwhelmed with all the things. Or maybe you reach for impatience. When are things going to get better? The thing that's really interesting is that even though these are better feeling emotions, they are not as big as feeling powerless or feeling a victim. We all know somebody who is a victim in their life or who plays the victim in their life and they stay there. They go back there all the time because that is not an easy emotion to do away with. It's a huge emotion and it's a big one. It's really uh, big. And if you look at the scale, you'll see that there is a lot of momentum behind that emotion. The same with depression. If you've been in depression for a long time, if that's something that you're really used to feeling, God, it is freaking hard to get out of there. So going up this scale slowly and being gentle with yourself as you move up it, I know that some people just love to reach for revenge, right? That revenge uh, feels really good to think about like, you know what, I'm going to get revenge on you, whoever it is. I think it's allowing yourself to be fully in that expression and also recognize that this is a temporary place as you reach for better feeling thoughts all the time. So once you have found yourself at the middle of the scale, there is at the top of the downward spiral, there's boredom. So reaching for boredom, it sounds very strange, but I think it can be really helpful to recognize that boredom is at the top of the downward spiral. If you are feeling bored, this is a huge indicator for you. It's a huge flag for you to say like, oh, wait a second, I'm bored right now. And that's okay. 
but I'm either gonna go down the scale or up the scale. If I go up the scale, I'm on the upward spiral. I can reach for the next best feeling thought, contentment, hopefulness, optimism. But if I don't consciously, deliberately take care of where I'm at vibrationally, I can go down the scale, which would be pessimism, frustration, irritation. How many times have we found ourselves to be irritated, overwhelmed, disappointed? Slowly, we find ourselves spiraling down. So realizing when you're bored and allowing that to be an indicator for you and really making yourself do something to get you out of that place, whether that's affirmations, whether that's having a kind of a protocol to go to the park or take a walk or pick up a book or call a friend, right? There's some things that you can do to get yourself going again, to build momentum and feel better when you have the chance, because boredom is a very small emotion with not a lot of momentum. And so you have a lot of power there and you can really go either way. So I think just choosing which way you want to go. And obviously the choice would be to go upward, up the spiral. So For me, I think just knowing what I like to do, the things that I enjoy doing, and really getting to know what those things are. So everybody's different. I think that me personally, I am not a very exciting person. I, what my favorite things to do are literally to write. I love to read. I like to spend time with friends. I love a good Korean drama. I love to just do things that are very calm. I would say that I'm a pretty extroverted person when I'm around people, but I love to spend time on my own. So I can do all kinds of stuff, just enjoying my time at home. I don't ever find myself bored. I really don't find myself bored unless I am in a place that I don't want to be, which doesn't happen that much anymore. I feel like I've set really strong boundaries around that. So, but just looking at the things that you do find yourself bored doing and changing that, maybe you are surrounding yourself with people that you don't identify with anymore, or maybe you are looking for a new a tribe. And so just honoring where you are and then going from there, right? Like really a big part of taking care of your mental health is just honoring you and whatever other people think about that, really allowing yourself to be who you are and who you want to be anyway. And I think that's a, that's a big part of the medicine, right? Like the medicine of healing ourselves and and honoring our mental health is setting boundaries and trusting ourselves. I actually spoke to a guide who helped me a lot. And one of the things she really said was like, you know, a big part of why you don't trust yourself was, is that you are not feeling that you're worthy of being listened to. And I really had to think like, wow, that's so true. I don't feel like I'm worthy of being listened to. And you are, you are so worthy of that. And so if that's something you're struggling with, really working on that specific thing, like you are worthy of being listened to. Your feelings and your thoughts are valid 
And trusting yourself in that is really, really important. So if there is something that is kind of giving you a nudge, like having a life change or, or severing a relationship or starting a new relationship, or just thinking of like, if somebody is gaslighting you, like really asking yourself like, Hey, is this true? Or am I being, uh, you know, not listening and honoring who I really am and what is really true for me? So it may not be true for someone else, but what is true for you? So I think that that's a really big part of mental health and emotional well-being is just listening to yourself and honoring yourself and trusting yourself. So coming back to the emotional guidance scale, I can tell you that reaching for better feeling thoughts is always such an empowering thing because the more in alignment you are, the more solution oriented you are, the more that you're going to really be in tune with what needs to happen next. And we say too, like if you are connected to source or God or the universe, when you are in alignment, you are so much more apt to listen and hear what is being shared with you, what God or the universe is telling you and next steps in your intuition, right? And so getting into alignment and moving your way up that scale is actually one of the best tools for you to make a difference in the world and in your own life and in the lives of the people that are in your life. So even learning how to set that boundary when somebody is uncomfortable or when somebody is angry or feeling bad and the first instinct is to make them feel better, right? Or to commiserate with them or to listen to their complaining, right? So much of that time you end up moving down the scale with them. And so the best thing that you can do for another person is to stay where you are on the emotional guidance scale, staying nice and high and and strong and allowing them to come up to meet you instead of you going down to meet them, right? So the emotional guidance scale is really, really awesome. Again, I've put a link below so you can uh, check it out. I think something else that I love to know is that, so there's two sides, there's the upward spiral and there's the downward spiral. And on the downward spiral, I think that there are like 17 steps. I think there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 steps. And there are only seven on the upward spiral. And that's because positive emotions, good feeling emotions are stronger and have more momentum than negative emotions, than the bad feeling ones which is so cool because that means that once you are feeling good, it is so damn fun to keep feeling good and it is not hard and it doesn't have to be hard. So you get to stay on that scale and there are going to be times when you find yourself on the downward spiral. We call that contrast, right? Like when you're not feeling good, it's because you're being told something is not in order. We have those emotions because something is being indicated to us that needs to change or that we need to change. So when you're feeling overwhelmed or you're feeling angry about something, that is basically the universe telling you or God telling you like, hey, something's happening. You're being triggered or 
You know, you're being shown what you don't like. And so that means that you send off a rocket of desire that tells you what you do want. So when you know what you don't want, you know what you do want. That's why we have emotions like that, right? That's why we have contrast. And we get to create a better world with that contrast. It's like the more information you have, the better decisions you can make. So you feel the contrast, you feel the negative emotion or the bad feeling emotion, and you're like, okay, I see that. I don't like that. What's the opposite of that? If you don't like feeling uh, unhealthy, right? If you have a headache or a migraine, what's the opposite of that? Feeling really, really good in in your body and, and not having a migraine, right? So focusing on that feeling of feeling good in your body, in that alignment. And I think that's something we do a lot in our culture is like we focus on the bad because that's partly just a habit and, and how we do things, right? We complain about things or we, we talk about things and we tell every single person that we know about the issue at hand. But what we do by focusing on that is we just continue to immerse ourselves in the same story and the same emotions that come with that story, right? Why am I feeling depressed? Here's why. Here's all the reasons why I'm feeling depressed. And we repeat it over and over again. But it's enough to recognize it one time, work through it, which is important to move through that, and then allow yourself to look at what ways you can use that information to move yourself up the scale. And I think it's really powerful to know that all of those emotions are valid right? Like this, the scale is not about telling you not to feel bad or not to feel the emotions that don't feel bad because it's important to move through those emotions fully because you are strong enough to deal with those emotions, but it means not staying there. It means understanding the lesson in those emotions, working through them, healing them, and then moving out of them. And I think that is really the powerful thing. And if that's confusing, right, I think because that, that sounds confusing, well, I'm supposed to move out of those emotions, but I'm also supposed to work through them. You can work through them, but that doesn't mean you have to be in them, right? So let's say that I'm feeling unworthiness because my upbringing, right, which is a lot of us, or where we were, um, you know, we're a people pleaser and we used to be a parent pleaser. So these are the lessons we're learning from this sense of unworthiness or the depression that we have. It's because we feel unworthy of feeling good. We don't deserve to feel good. Okay, so now that I have this knowledge, I don't have to stay in depression to work on that, to change that and heal that. I can move out of those emotions and still work on those feelings. And the more we do that, the more empowered we are to see how we can change that. We feel more empathy. We feel more compassion for ourselves. We feel more love for ourselves. We're more in tune with source, with the universe, with God. And we can allow ourselves to receive the answers when we feel better. So I think that that's really the key is understanding that there are emotions we're going to have and they provide information to us, but we don't have to stay there in order to fix that, right? In order to heal it. 
So I wanted to share that again. I said it already, but um, I've put the link in the show notes if you want to check out the scale. I think it's been a huge tool for me and also just Abraham Hicks in general. I actually love to go on YouTube and look up topics that maybe I'm struggling with. So I don't have this as much anymore. I feel like I've worked through a lot of stuff. However, we're always working on stuff and we're always experiencing new things, right? So me, currently, I'm, I'm really pursuing this new avenue of writing and I just know there's going to be so many things that come up where I am new. I'm a noob, you know, like I don't know so many of the aspects of what a writer goes through. I can tell you like writing 2000 words a day, a lot of emotions come up, right? And, and so I'm just really learning a lot. And I know that as my relationship continues to evolve with, with my partner, there's going to be things that come up. And if we move to a new state, which is something we're talking about, there's going to be things that come up. So I, I love having the resource of Abraham Hicks on YouTube. I literally just type in Abraham Hicks, uh, let's say insecurity, or let's say, um, you know, creativity, whatever it is that I'm looking to uh, learn about, even if it's something more specific, like what do you do? when you're fighting with your partner, right? Something like that. But there's always something really good that comes through, like clarity. And God, clarity is like the best thing ever. That's actually something I also want to share. Last thing for today is the ABC game. And so what we would do is we would go around the circle, but you can play this on your own too. It's like, going through the ABCs and channeling the emotions that come with each letter. So let's say the first emotion or even a word that you can just feel uh, would be something with A. So you would feel abundance, right? Like what would it feel like to have abundance? And you just close your eyes and you imagine what it would feel like to be abundant. Maybe that means you'd be really wealthy, or maybe that would mean you have all the biohacking equipment in the world, right? Like in your house, or maybe it would mean that you had, you know, all the um, delicious food you could eat, or maybe it would mean that you would have cases upon cases of Mountain Valley spring water, right? Like whatever that means, and you just close your eyes and you feel that. And the thing that's really cool about the law of attraction is that the longer you feel an emotion, the more momentum it creates, the more momentum you you gain. So I think 16 seconds is the magic number. And then every 16 seconds after that, you double, triple, quadruple the uh, power of that emotion. And so think about that in terms of manifestation. Like you're calling in some crazy stuff if you are feeling an emotion just for a minute, right? Like if you can just imagine, take yourself to that beautiful place in your mind where you're imagining how abundant you are. Okay, great. And then after that, you go to B. Okay, so B would be beauty. Let's say you feel beautiful. And maybe you want to think of yourself as beautiful and you just imagine yourself as your most beautiful feeling. And you do that for a minute. 
Maybe you're out and about. Maybe you're out with your partner. Maybe you're in with your partner somewhere, you know, in in the bedroom. Or maybe you're thinking of beauty in a different way. Maybe you're imagining yourself in a beautiful forest or a magical forest, right? And you do that for a minute and then you go to see, go to clarity. Like, what does it feel like to feel clarity? And you do that with each letter. And you don't have to do the whole alphabet. Uh, You could even do a few letters a day. But it is a really powerful exercise. And the thing I think that's most powerful about it is that you practice focus. Because as a person who has struggled with her mental health and a person who can really understand why meditation is something we talk a lot about is because it trains the brain to focus. The more skill and the more strength you have when it comes to being able to deliberately think, right? Abraham Hicks actually calls it deliberate thought. The more powerful you are because you have allowed your brain to create and cultivate the skill of focusing. If you can focus, you really have such a head start on being able to cultivate a good mood and and really true emotional well-being. So I think it's a great game. I think you can do a lot with it. And, you know, you can even use your journal and write it down if that's something fun. I think that something else that I always love is just journaling in general and journaling about like your ideal day, like write a page and just write the best day ever. And you can do that daily, right? Because we can think of a million ways to enjoy our lives. And if you can't, then reading books or getting more ideas, watching some cool movies. But there's so many things. Imagine a day where you could fly. You fly all over the world. And you, where do you go? What do you do? Right? Or imagine you're with the love of your life and you get to go on a magical date. What would that be like? Right? Or perhaps you get to go eat all the food you want and you get to go wherever you want. Like, what would that be like? Right? So there's so many things that you can do with your mind, going there with your mind and allowing yourself to really cultivate that skill uh, of making your body and your mind this beautiful, uh, fertile ground for emotional well-being and good mental health. So I'm going to leave you with that today. I feel like that's a lot of info. I hope that this is something that feels good and feels aligned for you as you cultivate your own mental health. And I would love to hear your feedback and I would love to hear more about where you at on your you're at on your journey. So if you would like, you can always connect with me on Instagram. My handle is at Dora Vandekamp. I love you all so much. I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful week. If you loved this episode, please give this podcast a positive review on iTunes or Spotify. It helps us spread the word about the power of holistic health and beauty, and it helps this podcast grow. If you share your favorite takeaways from this episode on Instagram, please make sure to tag me so I can reshare. Thank you so much for listening. Have a beautiful week.